It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Get yourself a copy right now. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. That's right. If you're looking for the best barbecue rub, uh, check out Kenny Bears. If you're looking for the best seasoned salt, uh, check out Kenny Bears Seasoned Salt. And if you're looking for the best Cajun Spice and also my personal favorite, uh, check out Kenny Bears Cajun Spice. Get it all at southerngourmetspice.com. That's southerngourmetspice.com. And make sure you tell them Billy C. Center. And while you're at it, demand the Billy C. Discount. Today's show is also being brought to us in part, you guessed it, by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now, where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book while you're watching or listening to this show. Like, right now. Like, do it. Just visit Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Or if you're looking to get a signed copy, no problem. Just drop me an email, Bill at BillyCBoxing.com. Um, today's show, we're going to focus on former uh, world heavyweight champion and boxing Hall of Famer and a fighter who many regard as one of the greatest ever, one of my personal favorite fighters, uh, the late, great Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson was a heavyweight. Uh, he was born in uh, Galveston, Texas. His nickname, the Galveston Giant, um, which is interesting because if you look at uh, Jack Johnson, he was considered a, a giant of his era. Um, but uh, when you look at the stats, he was six foot tall, six foot one half inches tall. Um, he did have a long reach, 74 inch reach. Um, here's the thing, you know, if you punch him up on box rec, you'll see that his uh, career record on box rec states uh, 54 wins, 34 coming by knockout, 11 of his losses where he was stopped six times. He drew nine times um, and he fought a total of uh, 77 fights. However, back in the day that Jack Johnson fought, there were a lot of things called like a newspaper decision. Or uh, boxing wasn't legal in a lot of states, so they would render no decision. Um, so there's uh, many different um, records that are posted. For example, um, there's one that uh, many people believe is true as well. 68 wins, 11 losses, 10 draws. Uh, then you have the old 92 wins, 12 losses, 14 draws, and a couple of no decisions. I like to go by the International Boxing Hall of Fame's uh, record that they have posted, uh, which is 77 wins, 13 losses, 14 draws, 48 of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, he had a total of 123 fights. He also had a, a bunch of no decisions. Um, he, here's the thing. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at uh, Jack Johnson, and, and the, the first thing that jumps out, 
uh, is, you know, somebody's going to say, well, you know, if he was so big and he only had 48 knockouts in 123 fights. Well, um, you know, Jack Johnson, we touched on a little bit last uh, week. You know, he um, he toyed with his opponents. He, he, he literally toyed with his opponents. He, he was so much better uh, than everyone else at that time. And when you take a look at his record, uh, he did fight a bunch of fighters, uh, that Hall of Famers and what have you, and we'll get into that in a second when uh, the guys join me. But there's one fight in particular that I, I always look at. It took place early in his career, uh, back uh, right after the turn of the century. No, not 2000, 1900. It happened in 1901, February 25th to be exact. Uh, my brother's birthday, uh, except uh, he was born substantially years later. But uh, February 25th, 1901, he fought Joe Choinsky, uh in Texas, and he lost. He was knocked out uh, in three rounds of a scheduled 20-rounder. But here's the thing. The fight was, was rushed, and both of these guys got arrested because they were fighting uh, in, uh, you know, it was illegal to, to fight. And they were both in jail. Well, during the time they were doing time together, they became pretty close, and Joe Choinsky um, actually taught Jack Johnson a lot about boxing, about defense specifically. And when he, uh, they actually, they fought uh, some uh, 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 exhibitions while they were in jail, and they, they were actually treated like royalty uh, at that uh, time in in his life. And um, he learned a lot from Joe Chuinsky. As a matter of fact, Joe Chuinsky worked his corner uh, for uh, for a couple of fights, and uh, uh, I, I think that. A lot of credit has to be given to Chowinski uh, during that time. Speaking of times, Jack Johnson fought during uh, uh, Black Crow America. It was terrible. And this was one of the things that made Jack Johnson J. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson hated the fact uh, of, you know, people looking down on him or treating him differently uh, because of the color of his skin. We're going to get uh, back to that uh, in a second. But joining me right now, uh, is my man uh, Alex Papali, um, and uh, in a second we're gonna have uh, Dax Khan. He looks like he's having uh, some uh, some difficulties with uh, with his setup here. But what's up, Alex? Good evening, Billy C. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, Jack Johnson, man. What what's your thoughts? You good? Hold on, Dax. Are you good? Thumbs up if you're good. It, it looks it looks like Dax having uh, some issues. Um, but uh, go ahead. Your thoughts, your quick thoughts on uh, uh, Jack Johnson. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I remember, you know, early in my uh, once I, my exposure to boxing, once I got interested in boxing, uh, learning about him. And it's one of those stories where some of it doesn't even seem it's doesn't even seem real. Like this happened. Um, we're coming up on the, the especially the Fourth of July stuff. Uh, you know the Jim the Jim Jeffries fight, just an amazing part of American history. Um, an incredible uh, person, um, cultural figure, and fighter. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. I love heavyweights, so uh, it's hard not to be uh, a big fan. Yes, in terms of uh, in terms of um, he learned so much from that Chowinski. Uh, from that Chuinsky fight and then the the lockup together with him, that's just an amazing aspect of, uh, you know, this whole era with the color line, um, which is what that this was sort of referred to where uh, in a lot of places, um, mixed race bouts with, a, uh, with one fighter was a, a, 
of African descent and the other white um, was just plain out, outlawed in a lot of places. And uh, that was one of the reasons why there was no boxing and the, the cops rousted the whole, uh, the whole fight and arrested a bunch of people, arrested the boxers too. And that's how Chewinski and Johnson end up in jail. There's a great photo of it. And they were treated like kings. They were. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was watching this movie recently. Um, and uh, I, I, it, I'm, I can see Dax's uh, camera shot, but it looks like he's uh, still having some issues there. But uh, let, me see, let me just see if I can get him on. Uh, Dax, you, uh, you good? No sound. How about now? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. We got you. We got you. Um, right. uh, glad, glad you. Uh, yeah. It, um, but you know, the, I saw I'm this movie. Not, I'm not home. That's why uh, I have to uh, go out to the airport. So you know, it's not at my regular computer. So yeah, yeah. You're 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 breaking up, and we're losing your sound here, here and there. But we'll 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 make it work. But um, I, I was watching this movie not too long ago, and it was actually. Uh, Errol Flynn was in it, and he was playing. Uh, um, uh, he, he was playing James uh, Corbett, and there was a scene in there which you just made me think of Alex, where they're you know he's in a fight, and it's illegal, you know, and all of the top people, all the political people, were at the fight, and when they all got arrested, you know, they're in there, and it's like, oh, Judge So and So, you know, he's like, oh, they, they were fighting, they were, you know, and it's like he wasn't there, and it was kind of comical because. Although it was a movie, that's exactly what uh, what used to play, take place. But uh, uh, Dax, your quick thoughts on on Jack Johnson before we uh, dive in. Um, Jack Johnson was well ahead of his time. He was, aside from Jim Crow America, the country itself was going through a transition. Remember. Yeah, we got we're 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 uh, we're Dax is all frozen up here uh, now. So I he like we said, I apologize for that. He's uh, uh, not uh, not at his normal studio. Uh, so uh, hopefully uh, uh, we can uh, we can get him back at at some point. But uh, Dax, I mean uh, Alex, I'm sorry. Um, you know, one of the knocks on Jack Johnson was that uh, you know some people will tell me, oh, he didn't fight anybody. Um, you know, when you look at his record, I, I guess it's tough to really, because it was so long ago, I guess it's tough. And, and the fact that, you know, you were coming from the transition of the bare knuckle era, pretty much still uh, to, to the gloved era. And a lot of the fighters that transitioned, you got to be careful with that word these days, but that transitioned from the bare knuckles is what I'm talking about, to the gloved era. Um, they started not counting some of those previous fights that they had had. So when you look at his reckoning, you see some of these guys with, with hardly any fights. Like the guys that stick out for me is a shirt that you had. And I'm trying to remember if I ever got a copy of it or not, but I don't think you gave it to me. All you do is harass me. But Sam McVeigh, you know, uh, he was a guy that um, fought – uh, uh, Jack Johnson several times, and it, it just it sticks out at me that he had six fights in 1903 uh, when he fought Johnson, and you know he had substantially more. Yeah, he had he had beaten Sam McVeigh. Um, I believe he beat him. He beat him twice. They fought. I think they fought 40 rounds. He beat him both times in 20 rounders, and a lot of his best wins 
um, came before he became champion. Because remember, it took him a while to get the title, uh, to even get a shot, uh, because promoters just plain would not make uh, fights um, with a black fighter. And so black fighters had to settle for the colored heavyweight championship. Um, that's where Sam McVeigh and Sam Lankford uh, and Joe Jeanette, um, you know, they each had held on to that for a while. And um, you can't talk about uh, this era without mentioning Clay Moyle's incredible book on Sam Lankford because that really fleshes out more of the era. Those were Jack Johnson's contemporaries. And yes, he fought all of them. Um, now, the one that I think uh, was the, the, is still the question mark that he avoided afterwards was um, Sam Lankford, because I would have loved to see them fight again. Well, as after he was, you know what I mean. After he was, after he was the champion, because they did fight, right? Because they had fought earlier, and but even that fight has sort of an asterisk next to it because uh, Lankford weighed, I think, one fifty six. We got. I think we um, might have Dax. Hold hold on, Alex weighed like one eighty three. So think about that. That'd be yeah, middleweight and a cruiserweight. Alex, I think we got Dax. Are you? Can we hear you? I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, you're breaking up pretty bad, but we, we got your image. We got your, your camera shot. But, um, yeah, the other fight, too, Alex and, and Dax, is Joe Jeanette. You mentioned Joe Jeanette, and uh, I believe those were the three on your on your shirt. But uh, Joe Jeanette, seven times he fought Joe Jeanette. Five wins, one loss, which was a, he was a DQ loss, and they, they had a draw. Uh, a, a, a great fighter in his own right. When I look through his record quickly, I see some names that stick out to me because of some of the historical aspects of these name of these fighters that I've seen during this era. You know, uh, uh, Denver Ed Martin. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Frank Childs was was a Marvin Hart, who was a, a, a champion. Actually, he lost to Marvin Hart. Uh, young Peter Jackson. Uh, you know, that's a, that's another one. Sam Langford, like you mentioned. Um, Bob Fitzsimmons, he beat. And and what's is funny about Bob Fitzsimmons. Um, you, you look at Fitzsimmons at the time when he fought him in 1907, 67 wins, 10 losses, 14 draws. And, and you know, a guy that, uh, you know, was a champion in his own right. And um, Johnson knocks him out in two rounds, you know, in, in a scheduled uh, six-round fight. Al Kaufman, uh, Stanley Ketchell, which was – that's a whole other story we'll get to. Uh, Philadelphia Jack O'Brien, Tommy Burns, who he won the title from. Fireman Jim Flynn, who he fought a couple of times. Uh, some of them were good and some of them not so good. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I mean, he fought everybody uh, that he could at, uh, during his era after the James Jeffries, which, you know, when he retired, uh, there was no one left, according to uh, according to the, the boxing experts, to fight. And that was when Jack Johnson actually got his shot. We lost Dax, but... Uh, uh, anyway, um, your thoughts on on some of the fighters he fought, Alex? Um, yes, like well, like you mentioned, um, the the um, Jeanette was the other um, one of his contemporaries that they they actually came very close to making the fight uh, a rematch, uh, which would have been it would have was going to be in New York City on a Labor Day weekend. Um, and that would have been huge because it would have been two, a, a top 10 uh, 
challenger and it would have been two black fighters fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world uh, in New York City. That would have been great, but it just did not uh, did not pan out. Now, to me, there wasn't as many questions when you go when you read the history uh, and the fight reports. It, it seemed like Johnson got the better of Jeanette um, in a lot of their fights, and like you said, they fought numerous times. Um, however, at that time, Johnson was having a hard time uh, focusing because he was having lots of legal troubles. That's when it was beginning. And uh, Jeanette was, um, he was like ridiculous in terms of his uh, Spartan-like work ethic. And so his physique. He was a Ron Lyle. He had the physique of a Ron effing Lyle. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you're right, Sam McVeigh. And he was, he trained. He was a trainer too, right? Didn't he? Wasn't Sam McVeigh? Uh, Jeanette, Jeanette actually. I mean, yeah, Joe, Joe Jeanette, Jeanette, I'm sorry. He did train guys, and he worked with um, Willie Lewis, uh, and um, yeah, out of New Jersey, and um, that would have been just a tremendous thing. Uh, of course, Johnson did end up fighting uh, and defending the title against another black fighter, and that was battling Jim Johnson. It, it went off in Paris because Paris was a little more um, accepting of uh, uh, of black uh, fighters and. Um, and even entertainers. Josephine Baker had gone there um, or, or was to right around this time. Maybe she was more the 20s and 30s. Um, you know, so the, the Jack Johnson, um, you know, some of the things with him, I, I, let's let's get into, you know, first of all, Jack Johnson, um, you know, he, here's a guy, you know, and at that time, the, 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 the whole era is something that, has to be taken in consideration. And I, and this is what I, I think I love the most about Jack Johnson. And there's so many books on him. We, we touched on a little bit last week. And I've read uh, countless. I, I've lost track of how many. As a matter of fact, I found one uh, that I forgot about. It was a little paperback. And, and um, it, it was it was I read it real quickly just because, you know, it was like a it was like a quickie uh, book. Uh, it was like a little thinner than my book. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it was it was cool to read. And it refreshed my memory about a lot of stuff like some of my uh, favorite stories about Jack Johnson it has to be his attitude. Generally, I, first of all, he hated that. You know, and and by the time, look, we, we African-Americans, right? You know, there's many times we've, we've referred to African-Americans as black and everything else. But in his era, they were Negroes. And he hated the fact that they were considered second-class citizens. And I think it, it bothered him all the way to, to the, well, I know it bothered him till the day he died. It's what caused his death. But that's another story. We'll get to it. But one of my favorite stories is, is how arrogant he was about it. And... You know, the Oklahoma speeding ticket, you know, I mean, this was a guy, this was a guy that loved fast cars, fast women. I mean, he's like everything that, you know, I, you love, well, everything I love uh, about, you know, our superstar athletes. He was before it was cool. He It was cool when he was doing it, but nobody realized it then. They weren't as cool as him at the time. You know, even, even as far as he was the first guy to wear full length fur coats and stuff you know <laughs> I, I mean you know but 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 Jack Johnson 
got caught. It's one of my favorite stories. He got caught for speeding. He had he had a a a, a sports car of the time, and and you know you got to keep in mind the era, okay, boys and girls. So a sports car at the time. Today we talk about a sports car that'll do two hundred miles an hour. You know, back then not so much. But he had the best car you could have, and he got pulled over. And I believe the state was Oklahoma. Uh, and the cop, you know, at that time they would give you tickets and it wasn't a good thing that he was uh, a black man and he was speeding and he got caught in Oklahoma and yeah, uh, you would think that, uh, you know, a, a guy would, would mind his P's and Q's, but not Jack Johnson. As the cop came over to him and said, yeah, it's a $50 fine, Jack Johnson hands him a $100 bill. And he said, I told you it's a $50 fine, boy. And uh, Jack Johnson's like, well... When I come back, I'm going to be going just as fast, so I figured I'd pay for my ticket. Now, I, I mean, I remember reading, and I may have paraphrased a little bit, but, uh, you know, I remember reading that for the first time, Alex. And and I was like, I love this guy, you know? I mean, you know, just as much as I love Tom Molyneux, who would walk down the streets of London in, in 1809 with with two white women on each arm uh, flaunting that, that he had them and nobody bothered him, Jack Johnson was no different here in the United States. Yeah, I think that's why he became, um, you know, a larger-than-life figure, uh, Teresa Runstetler, uh, her book, uh, Jack Johnson, Rebel Sojourner, uh, talks about that and it even goes so far as to um, describe how uh, just the, the international impact. That, that was the but that was the basis of her book. Her, her book wasn't so much about him as a fighter. It was him about the international and the way he was perceived um, you know, outside of the right, ring. Yeah, but that that's what you're talking about. It's that that idea that True. um he he represented in a time where we were uh America had because America from its inception, of course, had ha has had this issue with a massive issue with racism. Uh it's a country that's founded on all men are created equal, but don't don't mention the ones we have in chains. Um, and so, you know, by the time that, uh, Lincoln, uh, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation was uh, signed into law and actually Galveston, Texas, where, uh, Jack Johnson was from is actually where the, uh, Juneteenth holiday, which was just celebrated this week. Um, that actually, I think was 1865. So it was in the lifetime of his parents. Um, so in that you know that uh it became official that the slaves were free and here was this uh black man standing up to white america and put white authority and you know saying hey look at me as an equal and it, yeah it was unheard of at the time and it was uh it became a lightning rod uh, for race because, and not only here, like I was saying in that Runstetler book, she talks about how even images of like fight posters in, in certain nations um, were banned because they would depict or fight photos because they would depict Johnson standing over a white uh, opponent. And it became a, such a um, powerful image, uh, especially in like colonial Africa, that some of these uh, images were just plain not sold 
um, and the fight films became, uh, that was one of the efforts that was made was to, uh, to try to whitewash history is to not let the, uh, uh, copies of the, uh, Jeffrey Johnson fight, uh, you know, be sold or, or transported. Um, well, just so people understand, they, they used to film these fights and, and that's the other thing, you know, Jack John, we're, we're talking about early 1900s. So a lot of the footage, especially the James Jeffries fight. They, it was outside. It was a guy cranking a camera, yeah. you know, and, and so I've had people say to me, oh, man, the guy was slow. He was, he, he, you know, he, how could you say he was so good? And I'm like, well, you, you know, you're watching this film that, you know, is is 100 and some odd years old. And, you know, guys cranking it. It's 110 degrees in the desert. You know, I mean, you know, you, so you can't that, go back. That's why the fight reports are so important. To well, read. that's why, from a historical perspective, especially in, in the sport of boxing, the fight reports are the historical aspect. You remember when Remember when I, I first put my book out and I got and I put it in the book? When I was talking about the book, I get a, a, a listener says, can you send me some links to YouTube uh, fights of Tom Molino? It's like uh, cameras weren't yeah, even invented. It. But, but uh, anyway... Um, you know, the, the thing with, with Jack Johnson um, was, uh, there, there's so many things about Jack Johnson, but, um, you know, he, he didn't want to be treated as a second-class citizen for sure. Um, the, the James Jeffries fight is, is a whole other thing. But the, the thing about Jack Johnson was it wasn't, it wasn't like just African-Americans supported him and white America did not. A lot of black Americans did not support him either. And the reason is because he made life hard on them because of his success. You know, white America at that time would take it out on any other black American that was around. And they felt that he wasn't doing justice. He was, like Dak said before we lost him, he was ahead of his time because, you know, he was insisting upon equality when his peers, so to speak, were accepting uh, life the way it was. And, and he was ahead of his time, you know? And um, I, I think that's an, an important uh, thing. But when, when you get to his uh, championship run, uh, James Jeffries, uh, everybody thought he, he, nobody could beat him. There wasn't a fighter around. And um, he vacates the title. As a matter of fact, it was so obscure that he, he, he actually chose the fighters that would fight uh, for his vacated title. Um, eventually, Jack Johnson did get the fight with Tommy Burns. He won the world title fight in Australia. He had to go to Australia. And that's when the shit hit the fan, so to speak, because America couldn't deal with the fact that there was a black heavyweight champion. And that's when they started begging James Jeffries to come out of retirement. It even got to the point where people weren't even recognizing uh, Jack Johnson as a world heavyweight champion, Alex, because he didn't beat uh, Jeffries in the ring. And you know as well as anyone that the the whole um, uh, charade, so to speak, of them trying to convince James Jeffries, who at the time was 300 pounds, 
uh, to leave his retirement on his alfalfa farm with his wife, who he was extremely happy with the whole lifestyle, and he was hounded and hounded and hounded to come save um, of the white race, come and beat, show this black guy that, you know, and um, he did. He started training, and um, it didn't turn out too well for Jeffries, didn't it? No, it did not. Uh, and, and I think that was one of the things was that it really he was like Dak said, was uh, he was um, um, ahead of his time, both in the ring as well as her, his persona, um, because that's one of the things you get a lot in the fight reports is um, he brought science uh, to the game uh, and especially because some of these fighters uh uh, especially in the heavyweight ranks, there wasn't a lot of finesse. They were no. more bruisers. Rough and rough and tumble. Yeah, rough and tumble. And I think that's one of the things that you you get a lot in the fight reports is how important infighting is, especially in the heavyweight ranks, and it still is. Well, well, wait, um, Alex, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, you know, and we all know how what I feel about Floyd Mayweather, but I referred to. Um, Jack Johnson last week as the Floyd Mayweather of his time. And what I meant by that was, and I actually should have used Sugar Ray Robinson because I, th I thought he was much better defensively, or uh, Lomachenko, Vasily Lomachenko, to me, uh, modern times, is probably one of the best defensive fighters around. But Jack Johnson, you couldn't hit him. You know, it was sort of like a cat. I, I remember reading, I don't know which, ver which book I read, but... He was just, it might have been Papa Jack. That was actually my favorite um, Jack Johnson book. But um, they describe him fighting opponents as a cat toying with a mouse that they know that is already kind of halfway dead. You know what I mean? And, and he was so much better that his fights actually, a lot of those reports, if, if you read between the lines, weren't exciting. You know, they, they weren't exciting because he was so much better. Uh, than his opponents. I mean, the, the, the James Jeffries fight was exciting because of the fanfare, but the fight itself was a beatdown. Yeah, and I and, and that's one that you can watch much of it on uh, YouTube. And yeah, there's a lot of clinching. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, because remember at this time, Joe Gans, Barbados, Joe Walcott, those were also two other great black fighters uh gans a lightweight walcott a welter and um who were having incredible success and uh stylistically were more defensive minder minded than a lot of uh the white their white contemporaries um and um the uh like you said, I mean, I think once you get to the heavyweight division, you couple that with the fact that he's just physically imposing. I mean, he was enjoyed a significant size advantage to Tommy Burns and Marvin Hart. Both those guys were smallish. And that's how that's who uh, Burns had won the championship uh, when Marvin Hart was sort of dubbed the top contender by Jim Jeffries. Um, so it is one of those things that there was almost this like transitional this the heavyweight championship was almost a fraternity and in comes jack johnson and yeah with this different kind of style and um 
and it looks very different. And, uh, you know, of course, that's what gave people a lot of problems in the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just physically strong, because you even see this in the um, uh, the Jeffries fight. He's able to outmuscle Jeff. And at one point, I remember in one of the documentaries, uh, it's Jimmy Jacobs narrating it, talking about that, how he's able to sort of push his arms, you know, right behind him. And if you think about that, it's I don't know, that's that's one of the things that why reading about it is so much uh, because you're so much more impactful, because when you watch it, you're not getting the same effect. Even today, if you watch certain angles, it's not the same as when you get every angle. And the like you said, the cameras were nothing like we have today. It was one. It was one camera shot. You need to read something of people with educated eyes describing what they just saw. Because when you read that, they're always blown away. Uh, and if they're blown away, they're seeing something, you know? Well, you know, the one thing that, that stands out, and I think the James Jeffries fight, although it, it had uh, significance in terms of, you know, the fight game and society and what have you, but I think what I have always gotten out of that fight was the difference of the type of skill levels that we saw. James Jeffries was the, le and, and I'm not knock, knocking James Jeffries at all because he was, you know, uh, un, unmatched uh, during his time until he fought Jack Johnson. But James Jeffries was that last rough and tumble style fighter, you know, um, the guy, uh, I'm not going to say similar to to Sullivan, but along those lines, you know, uh, you know, power you down and, and, and beat you to submission. Jack Johnson, on the other hand, um, was, in my opinion, the beginning of what we refer to today as the sweet science. This guy was hard to hit. Uh, this guy knew this, the the uh, secret of, of, of proper distance and, you know, keeping your opponent uh, at bay. And, and all of these things at that time, based on the style of fighting that they were doing at that time, made him boring in a sense. Um, again, ahead of his time. But there was nobody equal to him. And he proved that by his you know, demolishment, if that's a word, uh, of uh, James Jeffries. But then after that fight, and and they wouldn't even let him actually knock him out. The police came and, and stopped the fight before he was totally unconscious. I mean, he was hanging on the ropes. No, that, uh, that was Burns. Uh, Jeffries was the one they they. His handlers pick him up and sort of go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, no, yeah, but they did stop the fight. They didn't let that fight eventually, go. Uh, yeah, yeah the police storm dropped three times. Yeah, no, he was dropped a bunch of times, but the police stopped that fight. That fight, that fight was stopped. Oh, because I, because I, the one the the Tommy Burns one, they they literally stop at the they stop the cameras, everything. You don't see the actual intervention because they they tell the cameraman stop rolling. Right. Well, they with the James Jeffries fight, it was it was similar. They didn't want him to be, especially because they thought that they were going to be showing those that film in in the movie theaters. They didn't want him to uh, be shown getting knocked out. 
which you brought up earlier about those films, which a lot of them, he was, Jack Johnson was supposed to get a big cut of that, that revenue of the films. And because they didn't show them as much as they were supposed to, he didn't make out financially um, the way he should have. Uh, James Jeffries, I think, made out way better financially uh, than Jack Johnson. Wow. That's not surprising. No, no. Um, but Jack Johnson is a lot more than a former heavyweight champion. Um, did you know? You know, um, he's he's patented a couple of things. His name, one of his famous patents um, was patent uh, 14131221, uh, which I'm sure you know uh was a wrench that he patented in uh 1922 april 18th to be exact and when he was in the clink after the because um once you know once he lost to willard he came back to the u.s and then he did have to serve some time in a federal penitentiary and i think that's where he he got the patents wasn't it no, he, he actually turned himself in in 1920. Um, we'll get to that about the Man Act, which just always pisses me off every time I, I think of that. Um, but uh, um, he turned himself in in 1920. Uh, okay. All right. So I got ahead of myself. So he becomes a champion, right, boys and girls? And back at that time, they didn't make as many defenses as you would think because being a heavyweight champion was you made your money outside of the ring. They all did. Um, so he paraded on and, and World War One was was breaking uh, out and, and all these things. Um, and then the Mann Act. So in case you don't know about the Mann Act, it was a law that was uh, placed where if you transport a, a, a woman uh, across state lines for immoral purposes, it was illegal. It was you'd get arrested for that, and um, he did that. Uh, he was a ladies' man, and he liked to hang out with ladies, um, ladies of the night sometimes. And uh, uh, he was uh, uh, arrested um, for uh, uh, doing that, um, and he was accused and uh, transporting women across state lines for immoral purposes. Lucille Cameron, um, who he ended up marrying. This, this, is, this is my problem with this. Um, he marries him, and they tried to have her uh, turn against him to, to throw him in jail. Remember, white America didn't want this guy to do anything. All they wanted to do was throw him in a jail cell and, and bury the key. She refused to testify. Uh, so they that the, that particular case fell apart. But no, wait, there's more because Bell Schreiber, another one of his female companions, decided that she would testify against him, and they convicted him uh, of that. Um, your thoughts, Alex? I got to plug in my battery before I lose my computer. Uh, yeah, it was definitely. Um it was a case of uh, just blatant persecution. They wanted to get him. And, um, you know, the thing about this, uh, the law now, granted, a, a lot of um, in a lot of places, uh, interracial marriage uh, in this country was just plain illegal. Um, so that was part of, um, 
you know, the, this, uh, the, some of the history with this rule, with this law. However, it has been used recently. Um, it was used, I think, to uh, Elliot Spitzer, I think, was convicted uh, under the Mann Act. Well, I thought it, that, I thought that was driving a helicopter illegally. Well, because it, it's definitely one of those, um, you know, America, we always have uh, Jack Johnson gets us gets the story of two huge American things, race and sex. Yeah, but uh, Elliot Spitzer, wait, wait, you br- listen, Mr. Politico, uh, you bring up Elliot Spitzer, right? He was the guy that that uh, he, he they first busted him for um, using a helicopter for. For his <clears throat> after uh, governing activities, uh, oh, well, see that would be yeah because that I, you could probably easily cross state lines in a helicopter. But I didn't know there was no line when I was looking down from the helicopter. <laughs> anyway, Jack Johnson gets convicted, right? He hightails it out of here and he goes through Canada and 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 leaves the country. He ends up in France, right? Um, this is where it starts to get a little dicey for, for him. He was living very extravagantly. He had a lot of money. Um, and um, he, uh, he, he did fight a few times. Uh, he got a couple of terrible fights in, in Paris, um, especially in, in 1914 against Frank Moran. Uh, he came in the heaviest of his career, I believe it was, 221 pounds, or, or around that. Um, and the referee was Carpentier, the former uh, uh, champion, you know. Um, but, um, you know, he became homesick after he was on the run for a couple of years. Um, he, he missed his mom. His mom was ill uh, during his riches. He, he bought her a house in Chicago, and um, he wanted to come home. They, and this is where it starts to get a little shady, Alex, because this is when you start thinking of um, all the different versions uh, of the story. Jess Willard was the big giant, and his manager, Jack Curley, uh, uh, according to multiple reports, approached um, Jack Johnson. They agreed to a a deal where he would uh, take a dive in that fight in uh, Havana, and he would be Granted, uh, uh, you know, it wouldn't do time in Leavenworth. Uh, and the photo of Jack Johnson after he got knocked out, or they claim uh, he was knocked out, and he was well over the hill at this point, 37 years old, lying on his back. And it, it does appear from the photos, Alex, that he was shielding the sun uh, from his eyes he did get up right after it was extremely hot they they referred to it as a sauna ringside um what's your thoughts on 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 all the different versions of of that yeah i would love to believe that um that that was the case that he the only way to come back to america to see his dying mother was if he was not champion and so he agreed uh, to to throw the fight to the much uh, you know his inferior um, Jess Willard, um, and he was willing to give up the championship and come back to America. Um, however, I there's even even Sam McVeigh, who's one of my favorites, um, spoke or does an interview with Damon Runyon. Um, 
the writer as because back then you would go from Havana by boat, I guess, to Florida. And then from Florida, you go back, you know, by train. And so he talks to Runyon on on the train and he claimed that he had sparred with Jack Johnson and even sparred with him the week of the fight that, you know, that's the sort of different time this was is they would never do that now, that risk of being cut. Um, and, uh, and he claimed Johnson had nothing. So, and never would Johnson be beatable by a guy like Wildard. Now, remember, that was 26 rounds, like you said, in like 105-degree Havana heat. One of the theories, and again, if you believe the conspiracy, you have to have lots of, because you have to fill in all the gaps to have it make sense. The reason why it took so long was because Johnson was waiting for his girlfriend to give him a signal. She got the cash. That's right. That's um, right. That she got the cash on ringside. That's right. right. And then once he got that, then he went down. Now, I, I don't know. I I think the thing about Jess, Jess Willard is he was a tough, strong, big guy. Because remember, when Jack Johnson, I mean, Jack Dempsey beats the hell out of him. Destroys him. That, First round, seven knockdowns. Still took three more rounds to finally finish him. So the guy was durable. Um, if if you give him anything, and twenty six rounds in a van of heat, he's got to be durable. Uh, so I don't know. I and I don't. And and years later, supposedly everything McVeigh said to Runyon, I forget. Either he recount, recanted it somewhere or Runyon claimed, yeah, that was all just promotional. Um, I forget, but I, somewhere I've read or heard some, maybe it was up in Canastota where somebody said, no, that was all BS. Yeah, I, I had remembered hearing that it was a promotional and Sam McVeigh eventually had admitted that uh, down yeah. the line. But but you bring up Jack, Jack Dempsey. Okay, so... So Jack Johnson loses his title. Um, he does hang around for two more years before he comes back. And yes, he ended up doing his time in, in Leavenworth, uh, in which he made some money because he fought uh, another uh, five or six fights at Leavenworth, which people say were exhibitions, but others say they weren't, that they were real uh, entertaining fights. Um, oh, can't you, can you imagine? I bet that was fun as hell. Yeah. To see that he probably can you imagine him fighting in a prison yard? Well, I, if you're one of the inmates, you got Jack Johnson. Well, James that, Scott, that, um, listen, that was a fun day. Listen, growing up, uh, uh, you know, being a boxing fan and then watching it, I, I mean, I'll forever remember James Scott fighting, yeah, uh, exactly. in, in, in New Jersey. And and we almost had James Scott on this show, uh, but he wasn't mentally, uh, able to 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 do a show when they finally released him but but in any there's, event there's actually it, it, i'm his sorry his brother but there's actually the, the you could find that on youtube where i think it's nbc sports that was so on was regular it, tv like al albert yeah albert it was on, going into rawway in rawway uh, prison oh, awesome. well, I, I i remember watching it with the with the inmates right there all the all the barbed yeah, wire looking over the shoulder yeah and 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 it was it was great and and he was a legitimate fighter I, we're off topic here, but he was a legitimate fighter uh, until he lost, and then that that was that was the end. Uh, then then you know, but whatever. But but Jane, um, Jack Johnson, 
he ends up uh, doing his time. He, he fights uh, a bunch of fights. And by this time, um, you know, he starts trying to campaign for a shot at Jack Dempsey, which uh, never materialized. A couple of other things that I'll mention is that he did try to become the trainer of Joe Lewis, which uh, is interesting in its own right. But because, and we talked about this last week when we talked about Joe Lewis, but because Joe Lewis um, was trying to be brought up to be not at all like Jack Johnson, um, they didn't want Jack Johnson in the corner. And, and that pissed Jack Johnson off uh, for sure. And he never did get the, the fight with, with Dempsey um, after uh, uh, he, um, you know, got back into the, the ring, so to speak. He, he did fight some fights. Um, nothing really materialized into anything. I mean, he started going, fighting the same guys a, a few times. Never got his uh, uh, title shot uh, at all uh, with Jack Dempsey. Um, but... You know, a couple of interesting things. Like I mentioned, I jumped the gun about his patent, uh, which was in 1922. He developed a wrench. It was like an adjustable wrench before its time. And, and a couple of things that stuck out to me, which got him the patent, which is registered with the U.S. Patent Office officially April 18th, 1922, when he was describing it to in order to get it. He said, this wrench will provide an improved wrench which is of simple and durable construction, reliable in operation, and easy and very inexpensive to manufacture, which may be easily and readily adjusted and which would adapt to uh, exert a powerful gripping action upon the work. If you punch it up and look at it, it's U.S. Patent Number uh, 1413121. You'll see it kind of looks like a plumber's adjustable wrench kind of looks similar along that almost like a crescent like a beginning version of a crescent wrench and he and he had another uh patent as well but he wasn't a dumb guy he was he was an extremely intelligent guy but his, his death haunts me alex you know um and i think his death um puts everything in perspective because and he was also in a, a a film. He was in some silent films as well. So, I mean, this guy made his way around. And all the endless books we touched on last week about his own uh, autobiography, he was more, more, more of a superhero than anything else. I mean, uh, I love that one. But And it was originally published in French, and it had to be converted to English. But um, the, the thing that haunts me, is is the death and everything surrounding it so so basically as the story goes he was uh uh in uh, he was uh, i believe he was 68 years old um and uh he 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 was he he was in north carolina and he, and he and he went to a diner with his buddy and uh they walk into this diner to to get a bite to eat and uh they wouldn't serve him because they were black and his friend was basically uh you know, hey, uh, you know, let's let's just go. And Jack Johnson was pissed off. And you know, we 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 talked earlier about um, how he loved fast cars. You know, he gets in his car and he started driving like a maniac. Um, lost control of his car, 
in North Carolina and smashed into a telephone pole. It, it, it this took place on June 10th in 1946. The worst part of the story is that they took him to a black hospital. Okay, and boys and girls, this, you know, we have a lot of racism going on today and and racial tensions today are are pretty bad, uh, at least the worst that I've seen in my lifetime. But consider this. Jack Johnson was involved in this automobile accident. They hit a telephone pole. Granted, the cars were built a, a lot better then, but you're never going to win a battle against, you know, a telephone pole. Um they put him in an ambulance. There was a hospital less than five miles away. However, they didn't serve black patients. So Jack Johnson had to be transported via ambulance to a black hospital. And that was 25 miles away. And Jack Johnson was in that ambulance for that time, which... Vehicles didn't travel as quickly as they do today. Roads weren't as passable as they are today. So I could only imagine that a 25-mile ride uh, did not take 25 minutes or a half hour as it would today. And it took more like 40 minutes or or even closer to an hour. Um, They get him on the operating table uh, and and he, he, he died. Nobody knew who he was, which amazes me, except the doctor who pronounced him dead. And he said, this is Jack Johnson. The world just lost the greatest fighter ever. And, you know, it's always haunted me, Alex, that the way Jack Johnson died. I mean, considering, you know, how many people loved him or hated him, I don't think he deserved the death like that. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things about that our sport is um, that there is as much as you, there's moments where you are just the king of everything, the king of the world. Uh, there's a, 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 a virtual anonymity, um, even in in the in the death, you know, because um, that yeah, that's stunning because. Um, that's sad, but it, it shows you he did. He, the guy did. Uh, the doctor did recognize him. Um, so you know, it, it, it's sort of he he didn't pass into obscurity. Um, yeah, but he kind of did. And, just about, yeah. You know, about, and and it, it just didn't. He, it, it we owed him more. The sport owed him more well, than than yeah. than the yeah, way it is. Okay. And 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 I know we could say that about a lot of fighters, but Jack Johnson is above a lot of them. I mean, you and I both love Mike Tyson. Who was one of his favorite fighters? Jack Johnson, you know? I mean, I think he's definitely getting more. I think Jack Johnson today gets more respect um, than he did in, in, you know, at his at his time. I I think that's cool. I mean, because I think when you think about and, and especially just to talk about race, if you think of the most influential both uh, in terms of sport and American culture, it would definitely have to be the the three uh, heavyweight champions that for me come to mind. And each one of them, it was uh, so interwoven with America's racial, uh, 
relationship with uh, black America is Jack Johnson, Joe Lewis, and Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And, um, Jack John. I mean, at least Muhammad Ali came at a time when his voice was heard. Jack Johnson, it seems, was on deaf ears, you know? Well, um, and, and I think, yeah, Jack Johnson, I think definitely, because both Johnson and Ali suffered persecution um, but and, and exile. But I think it was for different reasons and um, for very different reasons, if you think about it. Very um, different. I mean, there are no, but, no similar reasons. Well, no, there definitely was because part of the fact that Ali, this is, this is a, how dare this black man say these things about American military. Yeah, but, but the thing um, with Ali, but the thing with Ali was that people perceive, wh whether the intent was there or not, we, we don't know, but the way the perception was, was that he was trying to come up with a religion reason why he didn't want to go to war. That's the way people thought of it with the draft and everything else. Jack Johnson was being persecuted just because of the color of his skin. Who he was, yeah. You know, so I, I mean, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying Muhammad Ali's persecution at all. I'm just saying it was it was totally different. You know, um, you know the the thing, and, and you're right. I'm glad you made the point about the respect because you're you're right. And I hope Jack Johnson is looking down on it now and and appreciates it to a degree, but. There was one thing, and I remember uncovering it um, during the show, that there was a comic made, a comic, I don't know if it was just a strip or a comic book about Jack Johnson's life in the 2000s. It's more recently. Um, I got to dig it up. I, I know I have it. Book. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't, cho it wasn't, book. it wasn't children's book. This was oh, a... I there, well, maybe there's also a comic, but there's there's definitely a children's book. Um, I, I got a copy for uh, the place where I, I tutor uh, that I volunteer. Um, it's I can't remember the name of it. No, but, this uh, was a comic book series, though. This oh, guy, really? it was yeah. an artist that started putting it out, and it was a modern flair of 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 the drawings of the comics themselves, and they were actually making Jack Johnson in more of a modern era. I, I got to dig it up. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it because uh, uh, it was cool. And I, and I started trying to get it and it, and it fizzled out the, uh, the, the comic itself, but it was not a, a children's book. Definitely not the, the way it was written and, and the drawings. And it was a lot of his <clears throat> escapades with, with women and stuff. So it was clearly not, yeah, this book. one, this one is def the one that I I saw is is a children's book. They kind of, I forget how they talk. How about do it. they make Jack Johnson a children's book? Yeah, well, they they I don't think they they don't talk too much about the Man Act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, listen, boys and girls, uh, Jack Johnson, great fighter. This is what we're trying to do with the show. Uh, you know, just uh, open up uh, some discussion on these great fighters. Hopefully, you know, feel free to drop me an email uh, and uh, and discuss it more. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, I want to I want to tell you about next week. Next week, we're going to do uh, our show on another one of my favorite fights. You see the trend here, Alex? There, <laughs> there are a lot of my favorite fighters. You know, it's it's sort of like my baseball. I get to pitch right. But. But this is, this is cool. Sonny Liston is one of my favorite fighters. Well, we got 
a guy that's going to join us next week um, who put out um, this book, the real story behind Sonny Liston. And his name is, is Paul Gallander. And we tried to get him on earlier and just some things didn't work out. But he's agreed to come on. And he's going to this guy knows everything about Sonny Liston. Another one of my favorite fighters. I can't wait to talk to him about Sonny Liston. Um, and that's going to be here next week. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, any final thoughts from my main man, Alex? Um, just, yeah, I think uh, um, Jack Johnson's one of my favorites. I was real psyched uh, to have gotten that um, stand-up uh, of Jack. Uh, at yeah, where the, is uh, it? Where is it? Would the cat take it down? Upstairs. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm, in the, I'm in a different room, actually. I, I should have done it in front of it. Um, I should have brought this laptop up there. Um, but uh, he, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, uh, it, I don't know, it's hard to sum him up. And, um, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, it was great to see that he was pardoned. Um, I, I do think that, you know, it, it, it it could have gone a different way if it would maybe a different president did it, but <laughs> I'm glad that it got done. Um, that was cool. Uh, because I think that he, you know, deserved that. Um, and I think actually thinking about it, if you think about persecution in a way, all three of those fighters were persecuted, uh, by the U S government in a way, because Joe Lewis was persecuted by the IRS um you know, you know you know coach my man coach sent me an article which i had never heard and i'm going to bring it up because we talked about joe lewis last week and he and today actually is the anniversary of the knockout of schmelling is it i didn't even realize yeah. that oh that's cool June 22nd 1938 that's cool um he he, he brought up to me that it everything we've heard about that isn't necessarily true that they did cut a deal with him and that the fights would have been the 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 money owed with the government would have been a wash but the management screwed him again Hmm. and uh so as much as we blame the irs which i still do and i appreciate coach's uh uh link to the article i read Coach um, stood up for the IRS? No, no. Coach <laughs> didn't stand up for the IRS. He he was saying that it wasn't as much as the IRS's fault as, as his own management that kind of screwed him and that he owed money from many other fights, not just the uh, war effort fights. That he, he was not being advised to pay his taxes all along, um, which is very, I mean, fighters do yeah, that all. Surprising. That happens to this day. I mean, you know, why do you think Floyd Mayweather is fighting uh, punching bags to, to pay his taxes? But he's not but he's not sp- smart enough to realize that, you know, he's going to have to keep fighting to pay the previous fights taxes. But that's a whole nother. That's another show. But uh, uh, in any event, I'm looking forward to the Sonny Liston thing. Love Jack Johnson. Uh, wish he got more uh, credit. And the one thing that bothers me the most and I'll, and I'll leave us with this is that today's boxing fan and and a lot of these shows and i and i don't mean to 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 bash on today's boxing fan but a lot of you young whippersnappers um alex brought it up earlier in the show 
both Alex and myself, and he's much more uh, well-read than, than I will ever be, but um, the truth of the matter is, is sometimes before cameras and video and YouTube, um, the only way that you could get the version of a story is by actually reading about it. And although there were many different versions of fight coverage and stuff, that's actually the beauty of it. And I, and I know that that's what I've always loved, and I would bet uh, my last nickel that Alex feels the same way, that to read multiple versions of the same fight and to get different, ver- I mean, newspaper decisions, I, you know, we're off topic, but newspaper decisions were exactly that. If Alex and I were fighting, and my hometown is is Lake George, New York, and, and Alex is in, uh, 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 hey, uh, where's your hometown? Uh, Hamden, Connecticut. Hamden, uh, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I was gonna say New Haven, but, uh, but anyway, you know, if, if a reporter from New Haven was reporting on the fight, and his version of the story was Alex kicked the shit out of me for 10 rounds. And my reporter from New York said, I kicked the shit out of Alex for 10 rounds. You would have two different newspaper verdicts. The one from Alex's hometown would say he won the fight. And the one from my hometown would say I won the fight. So that's the way the record books are because fights weren't legal. So a newspaper decision was the opinion of the guy covering the fight. And that was a, a big thing. So, so you had to read multiple versions of the fights to get a full picture of how those fights happened. Today, a lot of fight fans would never do that. They don't read on anything. They, their opinion is, if I can't see it. And that was the argument that was presented to me many, many times about Jack Johnson specifically because they watched the big fight that's on uh, video which is the James Jeffries fight, which Alex and I talked about earlier, which was in nineteen early 1900s yeah. with a one guy cranking the camera and it was out in the desert. Um, that was a fight in, in uh, Goldfield, Nevada, right? No, uh, that was... That was uh, Joe Gans. Yes, uh, this was Reno. Reno, right. They built the stadium uh, for this fight. They had people coming in by rail car, for, for days ahead, um, and, um, you know, they had one guy filming it, one guy, you know, uh, standing on a pedestal, uh, cranking that camera. And I hear people today tell me, oh, he wasn't fast, he wasn't this, he was slow, he was this. Well, you know, you, you don't have high-definition video yeah, cameras. It's not, it's not 4K video. You know, you know, and the thing is, is today your cell phone could take Ten hundred, a thousand times better quality video. Not even trying. If you drop it and the camera kicks off and it takes a video of the ceiling, it's a better quality than what these guys are. So you have to put it in perspective, and you actually have to flip through uh, pages of print uh, to get it. And and I, and I think, you know, Alex, I hope you and I aren't uh, the last of of the people that enjoy that. But but it's why I watch old movies black and white movies it's it's all i watch these days uh, you know turner classic movie channel because your imagination sometimes um is more horrific than the most gory horror film 
like the family secret. I, I you know, hey, do you, do you, hey, let me tell you something. Do you know, hey, you know, hey, hey, all right, all right. Uh, before we go, I'll tell you, uh, my, my, my man, I, I mean, listen, I love Alex. He's, he's, he's like the son I never wanted. But, you know, Alex was in, he was, a, he was a star in a movie, right? Do you know that there's another movie called The Family Secret and it was put out in the 50s? Really? Did you know that? I, I think I, I I think there yeah that there had been more than one family secret. I, I think I think the difference is maybe it's family secret and the family secret because you can't there have you the go. same. No 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 no. I dude, I'm a hundred. When we get off the air, I'm going to tell you. But there there is. It was put out in like 1951 or something. I wow. just saw and it. I think, I, I think that it's been it now has been re-released and it has a new name, but I can't remember what the new name is. Something slasher, I forget. Well, uh, if you ha if you guys haven't seen Alex Papali's starring role in The Family Secret, you got to buy that video now. But uh, in any in any yeah, event. Contact me. I'll get you an autograph. Yeah, copy. he'll get you an autograph. Uh, and and even those, I have a whole box of DVDs. Nobody buys DVDs. Hey, you know, I you know that. You know what? When I went, you know, I watched it, and I, of course, you know, I'm I'm supportive of anything Alex does. Um, and I watched it, and uh, I wish I was involved. You know, it was uh, interesting. You, you got it's fun. a must. It's a must see movie. So uh, for all <laughs> you guys out there. Um, you got to see my man, Alex, starring in The Family Secret. But in any event, um, we will be back uh, better than ever next week. And um, uh, we will be talking about one another one of my favorite finders, Sonny Liston. Uh, special guest joining us will be uh, Paul Gallinger. Uh, and he will uh, tell us. I, I can't wait to ask him uh, what his actual thoughts uh, are on the death of the late, great Sonny Liston. Alex, yeah, final thoughts? Thing, I, I, I think I have that book. I want to see if there's anything because I actually saw – I'll send you the link. I saw some footage today of um, Gerald McClellan sparring with James Tony from 1990. It's amazing. And I heard that um, – I think I've read more than once that Liston and Foreman sparred at some point. You know, I never heard that. Like, I never heard that. Yeah. I've interesting. Heard. Well, another question. Right, jot down the questions for Paul. Yeah, because that'd be awesome. Imagine, woof, yeah, scary. All right, boys and girls, make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby. <laughs>